His and Hers Horror features two adults discussing horror movies, serial killers, and other spooky content that may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to His and Hers Horror. My name is Tia. And I'm David. And this is the podcast where we talk about spooky stuff. Yes, it is. I am actually really excited about today's episode. Oh? It allowed me to look at some things that I was not familiar with already. Same. And I like learning about new things. Learning is fun. Learning is fun. Today we're going to talk about... We're talking about urban legends again. Mm -hmm. But this time we're talking about urban legends from other countries yes specifically no no american urban mm, legends here. nothing yeah nothing from america so yay we're looking at international stuff that being said i'm gonna be trying to say words that i don't normally say and if i butcher anything i apologize profusely i'm doing my best out here <laughs> yeah yeah i i'm gonna probably stumble over a couple words but i'll do my best mine cover countries that i'm not fluent in their languages so yeah yeah. same same all right so before we get to that though this week in horror yay i feel like i do that slightly differently every week and it bothers me that one was a bit uh chill it was not as high energy as it has been before but that's okay whatever anyway (laughs) so i don't really have any horror news this week i did scour all my usual sources and i couldn't really find anything of note that people didn't really already know about is that if that makes any kind of sense oh yeah hey did devin sawa get back to you no he never did <sighs> come on devin sawa i if, know right if you're Seriously. listening please we just we He's just want it <laughs> maybe we can always hope i can hope but i i'm not that optimistic <laughs> So yeah, we don't have any news necessarily this week, but I do have three trailers for people to check out. That being said, only one of them could be considered horror. We watched a trailer the other night for this movie called Breach. Oh yeah. Uh, It's this uh, sci-fi action thriller with uh, Bruce Willis. Yeah. It actually looks really cool. It could be good. It could be good. Who knows? Or it could be horrifically bad. It's possibilities at this point. I have a very low bar when it comes to like, action sci-fi yeah especially with certain actors that sometimes will just phone in a role let's not be judgmental right (laughs) Uh, no i'm i'm just saying you know sometimes you you get action oh he did literally phone in a voice speaking role once yeah for a video game (laughs) Uh, but but i'm just saying sometimes you get a big name in something that's outside of their normal haunt Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's mind-blowing you're like oh my gosh this is a new renaissance for this actor and other times you're like Mm. they needed repairs on their car yeah someone needed to pay a bill which is cool yeah you you do you i I mean acting is a job like anything else right so you know most people do jobs to get paid yeah (laughs) so the other two movies i have uh trailers i had to check out so we're getting into like the holiday season Mm -hmm. and i know this time of year It's going to be particularly weird this year specifically, especially here in America where things have not necessarily been handled super well Mm, um, in regards to everything going on right now. Yeah. 
So some people might be looking to find a little bit of holiday cheer, you know, entertainment wise. Yeah, I mean, it can't always just be slashers and, and right, right. Now we do have, we will later, later in December, we'll have some Christmassy horror movies for awesome. you. But right now, we're gonna talk about actually heartwarming holiday movies. One of them is called Happiest Season. Yes. I believe it's on Hulu, or it's going to be on Hulu. I, I believe that's correct. Kristen Stewart is in it, and she basically plays one half of a lesbian couple. And she's very much in love with her partner. And she's very excited because they're, she's, they're going to her partner's family's place for mm-hmm. Christmas. On the way there, though, she finds out that her partner has not come out of the closet to her family yet. Yeah. So they not only do they not know that she's a lesbian, they think that her girlfriend is just her roommate. Yeah. I think orphan gets thrown around a bit. Yeah, that she's she doesn't have any family. She's an orphan, so that's why she's coming home with her. And yeah, it's this whole thing. If anybody is a fan of Schitt's Creek, Dan Levy is in it. Mm-hmm. And he looks... Oh, I love him. He's so sweet. But he's... It, lo- it just looks really good. It looks very heartwarming. And I love increased representation mm-hmm. when it comes to the LGBT plus community. That kind of thing. It And it just looks really good. Yeah. The other one I have is actually, I think you found it's already on Netflix. Like, it's yeah, already, it, it's already available. It, um, at time of recording, uh, it actually launched on Netflix yesterday. So that was the uh, thir- 13th or, or was it the 13th or 14th? Yesterday was the 13th because it was Friday the 13th. Yes. Well, I mean. I know yesterday was Friday the 13th. I just can't remember if it was the 13th or 14th that that it was available on Netflix. I I don't know. But it should be available now at time of listening to this. Yes. Uh, It's called Jingle Jangle. Mm. And I'm I'm getting some Fallout New Vegas vibes from that. Stop. (laughs) Stop. Please stop. Okay. Oh, God. That song. But it has Forrest Whitaker, Felicia Rashad, Keegan-Michael Key, Ricky Martin. The music is by John Legend. Mm -hmm. And it just looks so, it just looks so sweet and heartwarming. It's just such, it just looks like such a great family Christmas film. I don't even know exactly how to describe it. Uh, Essentially, Forrest Whitaker is an inventor. Yes. And toy maker who is basically has until Christmas to pay some debts or he's going to lose everything. Mm -hmm. And his granddaughter endeavors to help him. I feel like that's all I can say without giving too much away. And and magic and whimsy ensue. Oh my God. It just looks so great. The costuming looks gorgeous. If nothing else, check out the trailer. Because I mean, I I got a little heart warmed just from the trailer. Yeah, it looks really good. So if you need to take a break from the spooky and and check out something that's going to hits you in the holiday feels you've got one on hulu and one on netflix so there you go all right so i think that's it for this week in horror are you ready to uh to get spooky yeah let's dive in all right so we decided we're gonna go we each have four mm-hmm. so we're gonna go back and forth yeah the deal first, with it. well <laughs> wow that was a that was mildly aggressive hey. <laughs> okay we love you we we do okay my first one is actually from Africa. Where in Africa? Well, multiple places. Okay. Mostly Nigeria. Okay. Uh, or at least Nigeria was where this story originated. Mm-hmm. But it has since spread around. But it's called different things in different areas. It's the story of, 
I think it's pronounced Madame Koi Koi. Okay. It's K-O-I-K-O-I. So it could be it could be pronounced differently. It could be Coco. I'm not exactly sure. Alternate names are Madame High Heel or Madame Moke is what she's referred to in uh, Ghana. Okay. There are also different versions of Madame Koi Koi in Cameroon, Rwanda, Zambia, and South Africa. Okay, so, you know, various parts of the continent. Exactly, yeah. Uh, but mostly, she mostly originated in, the, in Nigeria. Okay. The name actually comes from the sound that her shoes make. Hmm. Like in, in Ghana, moke is taken from the Ghanaian word for high heels. Because she is said to wear high-heeled shoes. So there's a couple different versions of the story. There's one that is specific to Nigeria, and then there seems to be another one that is specific to Ghana. Okay. So the Nigerian version says that Madame Koi Koi was a very beautiful teacher. She worked at a boarding school, and she was known for not only her beauty, but she also wore red high-heeled shoes. But it was also said she was very mean to her students and would beat them for no reason, basically. So after she was fired for hitting a female student so hard that she actually injured her ear. She was walking home and got into some sort of an accident and died. Mm -hmm. But before dying, she swore revenge on the school and the students. And then not long after that, uh, students started hearing the sound of her shoes in the dorm hallways after lights out. So they would hear Mm -hmm. like the clicking sound of her heels. Alternate versions of that story say that she was beaten to death by some students and vowed revenge. I mean, that, that would definitely incite a revenge spirit. Yeah, I would think so. So the version that is in, uh, of the story from Ghana mm-hmm. also says a teach. it's also like, basically, it starts out the same, like, teacher, red high-heeled shoes. It doesn't say anything about whether or not she was beautiful, blah, 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 blah. But basically, in this version, she works at a school and she has a lot of difficulties with her students. They're they're kind of troublemakers. So she's always chasing them around, trying to get them to behave. And one day she is chasing one boy in particular and she has one of her shoes like in her hand while she's chasing him. So he runs out the door and across the road and she goes to follow him, not realizing that there's a car coming. She gets hit by the car and dies almost instantly. And the red shoe goes flying away out of her hand. And it's said that she still haunts the school looking for her missing shoe. Oh, so that could even be a a different audio cue. Yeah. Uh, You know, one high heel. And I mean, honestly, even if you're a ghost, you'd probably just take off the other heel and and just carry it. The, The manifestation of the spirit in that version is that you just see one red shoe Mm. And you hear her asking, where's my shoe? Because she's looking for the other shoe. Mm. She does the typical ghost kind of shenanigans, opening doors. There's people here whistling and singing that's not there. Slapping students. There's also versions that say she scratches them. That's just not very nice. She's also been known to attack people in bathrooms. But I couldn't find anything that said, why bathrooms? I don't know. There just seems to be a thing for spirits in bathrooms. I don't know why. I, I don't know if it's like a vulnerability thing. Well, I mean, especially from a storytelling perspective, most people are alone in a bathroom. Even even if you go in a group of friends, you're still isolating into a stall. Mm-hmm. Or there's some sort of isolation that takes place where you're alone, you're vulnerable, 
And especially if like you're sitting on a toilet, it's not like you can just get up and run away. I mean, there, there are other actions that have to take place first. So you're also more confined. Same thing. Like if you're in the shower, like you're not right. just going to get out of the shower and cause a, you're naked and B you're all wet. Uh, given the right motivation, I will be out that shower fast. You know what I mean, though. Oh, yeah. Hopefully not slipping. Right. So that's all I have for Madame Koi Koi or okay. Coco. I'm not sure. Again, I'm not sure. If if you are a listener, a listener of ours and you are in uh, Nigeria or Ghana and you want to tell me if I pronounced that correctly, hit us up on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, please. If I'm saying something wrong, I would prefer to be corrected rather than continue to say it wrong. All right. What's your first one? Well, the one I'm going to start with first is uh, The Well to Hell. Ooh. So where's this this well so I can make sure I never go there? Let's take you back to Russia in 1984. I was a zygote. (laughs) It's said that they had one of the deepest drillings done, at least to that date, done by some Russian scientists on a remote peninsula in northern Russia. Other reports are saying Siberia. And they believe they found hell. Oh. Okay. So they drilled 12 to 13 kilometers below ground level. Okay. The drill itself started kind of acting a little wonky. Yeah. So they pulled the drill up and I I, I don't, I'm have no experience in drilling into the earth. I've got some friends that do oil drilling. So I, I mean, I've seen some of their videos, but long story short, they pulled the sections of the drill out. And they sent down some equipment to, you know, check out what the hell's down there. Right. Now, how, how they wound up with some sort of... One of the pieces that they put sent down there was a microphone to hear right. sounds, you know, because, I mean, if your drill's acting weird, you want to know why, because that's really expensive equipment. Right. And one, I buy a lot of audio equipment. I can't imagine having a microphone with 12 to 13 kilometers of cable. That's a lot. Anyway... Their equipment said that they were reaching an excess of 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit, where they broke through the mantle or whatever. But the microphone said that they heard thousands of human voices screaming. Uh, And the story goes on that after they were getting these revelations of, you know, the audio and temperature readings and whatnot, an explosion burst forth from the hole, and uh, a winged devil flew out, killing 13 of the workers. Bullshit! Now, the more exaggerated facets of the story have been mostly debunked and misinterpreted. I I do stress mostly. Okay. However, the story, when it first broke, was compelling enough that it propagated worldwide. Originally, I think it was actually from a uh, religious newspaper out of Finland. Okay. That broke the story, but I mean, really? I can believe certain aspects of the story, but a demon coming up out of the hole. Because first, how big around was this hole? Well, there are pictures. Oh, there's pictures? There are pictures. <gasps> Ooh. And I'll show you those pictures shortly. Okay. But here's some facts. Okay. Uh, the Soviet Union had, in fact, drilled a hole more than 12 kilometers or 7.5 miles deep in the Kola Super Deep Borehole. Okay. <laughs> so if you're looking for either a indie band name or an insult, either way it would work. And it's not located in Siberia, but the Kola Peninsula. And that's K-O-L-A, which shares borders with Norway and Finland. Which explains why a, a Finnish right. newspaper would have broken the story. Uh, so apparently when, when they reached a depth mm-hmm. of 12,262 meters, or 
40,230 feet. In 1989, some interesting geological anomalies were found, but there were no supernatural encounters or recordings. Mm, okay, fair. And here's... When you said they brought the drill up, I got really excited because I was going to be like, was it covered in blood? Because that would have been really cool. Let me see if I can get you some uh, some pictures. Okay. Uh, there is the structure for the uh, Super D borehole. It kind of looks like a lighthouse. It um, looks like the cover of a Who album. Yeah, apparently several countries have like tried to just see how deep they can drill because I guess the U.S. Which, had a project in 1957 that did a similar can thing. We not, can we not, you guys... Like, I'm all for science and everything, but there are certain things that we just shouldn't be doing. Just stop. Let's not... Let's not with the let's see how deep into the earth we can drill, because we're going to end up fucking something up. Uh, we broke it? Yeah. Broke what? The drill? Uh, uh, no, no, the planet. Earth. No. We, we broke it. Oh, looks like we accidentally cracked the earth in half. Whoops. Whoopsie doodles. Sorry. It's, earth is leaking now. I was like, I am, I am all for science, but I also am all for the sometimes science goes too far. Mm. And there are some things that mankind, there are places we weren't meant to go and things we were not meant to understand. Fair. So that's just me. Probably right. other people too, but yeah. Well, yeah, I'm sure there are other people that, people that watch a lot of movies probably agree with me. <laughs> well, now that I've bored you with that tale. Great. That was cute. Good Thank job. You. Good job, you. W- what have you got? So I'm going to take us on a little trip from the former Soviet Union mm-hmm. down to India. Ooh. So are you familiar with the story of Nale Ba? No, I am not. Again, I could be pronouncing that wrong. Could not find anything online that said specifically how it was pronounced. But based on the spelling, I'm going with Nale Ba. Okay. So it originates in Karnataka, India, and Naleba actually translates to come tomorrow. Come tomorrow. Yes. Not today, tomorrow. Come tomorrow, yeah. It's found written on the walls of small towns and villages, specifically in like rural Bangalore. Okay. For years now. And basically it's meant to deter a malevolent spirit from entering your home. Sort of a not today, Satan. Basically, yes. Okay. Basically. There are two different versions of this particular legend. The original myth says that the spirit is basically the ghost of a bride who is searching for her husband. Mm. So she is basically, she, she goes around to different houses. She's known to take away the man of the house. And since typically the man of the house is the sole source of income for the family, this leads to basically bad luck for the entire household. Right. Another version of this story, and this is the version that started in the 90s, says that the spirit is actually a witch. Mm. And she roams the streets at night and knocks on people's doors. And she speaks in the voice of your family members to try and trick you into opening the door. And if you open the door, you die. Basically, she kills you. Okay. I, like, she like. It, does it say, like, how you die? Like, do you just no. fall dead? Or? No, I couldn't find anything that said specifically okay. how you die. Because in some versions of the tale, the whoever opens the door, they don't die. They just disappear. But basically, by riding Naleba by your door, when she gets to your door, she reads that. And, and basically, she's like... Oh, all right. And she just leaves <laughs> and comes back tomorrow. 
But because that's still written there, she basically leaves and comes back, then leaves and comes back. And it's just this whole cycle thing. Do ghosts wear pedometers? I mean, probably not. Because she would be getting her in her steps if she was, you know, having to come back to all these places I know. that have that written. I know, exactly. Um, there was actually renewed interest in the legend after reports came from an unnamed village in Thailand that healthy young men were disappearing from their beds in the middle of the night. Hmm. So and not coming back. And yeah, they were just dis- they were just gone. Okay, because if they were just disappearing for the night and then coming back, they're probably hooking up. No, like they were gone, gone. Okay, gone, gone. I actually found two instances of this particular legend in pop culture. Oh. So there's this book of stories called India's Most Haunted Tales of Terrifying Places mm-hmm. that was published la- uh, last year, actually. So in 2019. Oh, cool. There is a story of Naleba in that book. Uh, the book is by K. Hari Kumar. Okay. I actually kind of want to get my hands on a copy. I bet it'd be really interesting. We'll make that happen. The other one, there is a Bollywood horror comedy film called Street that basically has this legend as its basis. It came out in 2018. Cool. Yeah, I thought that was really neat. We'll check it out. If, we, right. if we can get our hands on it, I'd be I'm happy sure to sure we check can it find out. it. The internet is vast. That is true. The internet is vast. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Oh, shit. <laughs> okay. So, the next one I'm going to talk about is a bit darker. All right. A bit more grim. It's generally called on the interwebs and and in storytelling land as Meat is Murder. I'm not talking about the Smiths album that came out in 1985. Okay. I'm actually talking about 1947 Germany. I don't don't love where this is starting. (laughs) So, the general premise of the tale goes... That, you know, a woman's walking down the street and she sees a blind man kind of struggling with whatever he's doing. Right. You know, he's got the glasses, he's got his his cane, and he's... I mean, this is post-World War II Germany, so, I mean, there was a lot of struggle going on. There was a lot of rebuilding going on. Poverty and famine was, you know, across the board. Yeah. So, she asked the blind gentleman if there was anything he needed help with, and he said he he was trying to deliver a letter. And he asked if she would deliver it for her. And since the address that the, del- that the letter was going to was on her way anyway, she, she offered to go ahead and take it. Yeah, just being nice. And so, you know, he, he thanked her and, and, you know, she proceeded in the direction she was headed. Uh, a few moments later, she kind of looked back to make sure the guy wasn't, you know, still struggling. I, I, there, I don't, couldn't find any specifics on, like, what he was struggling with. Like, was he just having a hard time crossing the street? Whatever the case. Anyway, she turns around and looks and sees the guy ditch his glasses and cane, run down the street and and cut off into an alley. That's okay. That's not great. So either he's daredevil. Probably not. Or probably not blind. Probably that. Yes. Okay. So she sees this and thinks, hmm, that's weird. Yeah. So she goes to the police and says, hey, this guy asked me to drop off this letter at this address. And then just like, he was blind, but like then I, he bolted down the yeah, street. Yeah, I thought it, he was blind. But it's then kind of suspicious and sketchy. And I really probably don't want to go to this address. And the police were like, okay, we'll check it out. So the police go to the address on the letter and they go inside and find bags and bags and bags of human meat. No, gross. They open the letter, and it reads, This is today's serving. 
What? This is today's... No, I heard you. Yeah. What the fuck does that mean? And where did the human meat come... Well, I mean, obviously the human meat human came from... Human meat hum- came from humans, but like... Who? Who? Serving for what? I, I don't know. Where are the other servings? And for whom? Right. The fuck? That's fucking weird. So... As far as urban legends go, you know, you can sit there and go, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, all right, you know. But there is some truth behind this. Because, again, this is, there are a lot of parts of Germany uh, post-World War II that struggled with food. And many residents resorted to eating, unfortunately, cats, dogs, rats, insects, and there were reports of some cannibalism as well. That's fairly, you'll, you'll remember from our cannibalism episode, that's fairly common when an area is experiencing some sort of widespread famine, mm-hmm. is eventually some people, just res- some people just resort to cannibalism rather than starve to death. So, I mean, that's one of the neat things about urban legends and, and folktales is that they're always some, they've always got at least a foot in reality in fact you can a, a cursory check you could go okay yeah i guess that could happen mm-hmm. fair i i don't like that <laughs> <laughs> sorry no you're fine i'm just like uh i'm left with so many questions because i'm just like first serving serving for what where are the other servings <laughs> i want like i want to know more <laughs> sadly that's all i have fuck mm, all right moving on we're gonna move on to my next one okay all right you've been to the united arab emirates haven't you uh yes so have you ever heard of um al dawai no all right so this particular legend i couldn't find exactly where in the uae this legend originated from nothing really said so basically um al dawai is a female jinn Oh, cool. So she is said to be exceptionally beautiful, always elegantly dressed, covered in gold from head to toe, and has this extremely exotic perfume that you can smell from a mile away, basically. She's got too much on. Well, yes, and we'll get to that in a second. So it's said that she will actually call to men. Hmm. And they'll follow, you know, the scent of her perfume and her lovely voice. But once they get close, she reveals her true form, Hmm. which is not that of an exceptionally beautiful, elegant young lady, but a old, gnarled, extremely ugly person. Basically, the legend says that her true form is so frightening that you can't bear to look at her face essentially Mm. and she kills men who get too close to her the legend basically warns men to be wary of finding themselves attracted to strangers essentially okay there is however a bit of a legacy with this particular story Mm. it's used the legend itself is used kind of to dissuade children and teenagers from going out at night okay and actually the term um al dawai is often used as a derisive term by adults to describe a woman who wears too much makeup and perfume. <laughs> Jeez. So it's actually uh, it's actually gone from being a legend to frighten children to when you're an adult, that's what you call someone who 
wears too much perfume and makeup, basically. Wow. I know. I thought that was kind of funny. So that's all I have for that one. Some of these, there was like, I couldn't find a ton of information. And I just was like, this is neat. Let's go for it. (laughs) Right. Right. Do you like art? I like some art. Okay. So let's talk about 1985. It was a great year. It was a great year. I was born. You were born. You're welcome, world. And a tabloid had a headline in the UK. (gasps) The Sun posted a headline that read, Blazing Curse of the Crying Boy. (gasps) Is this the Crying Boy paintings? Yes. Yay! I love the Crying Boy paintings. So this is in reference to a painting by Giovanni Bergolin. The painting in question is this one I'm showing you right here. There's apparently a lot of them, though. Uh, I'm getting to that. Okay. So there's this painting of this little boy who is crying. He just looks real sad. I don't know why you'd want this painting. <laughs> Honestly, it kind of looks like a portrait of me as a kid. Oh. Crying and all. So the way this was told is basically some firefighters reported to a house fire, house completely gone. I mean, completely burned to the ground. Except this painting. Yeah. It was in nearly perfect condition. All the rubble and... It was basically... The way that I've heard... I've seen the same thing is basically... The house was gone. It was nothing but ash. Yeah. But this painting was still in the middle of the of the house and it was completely fine. So, you know how people talk. You know, yeah. people. They, rumors, they, gossip. Rumors, gossip, and the like. Well, one of the firefighters actually said, you know, I've actually been to several fires where this same painting yeah. was left intact. So, at that point in time in 1985, there were over 50,000 copies of this painting in distribution. Yeah. So, an investigation was started because it's weird. It's, yeah, it's definitely fucking, it's definitely weird. I mean, if nothing else, maybe there's a a civil or military application for whatever this painting has, you know. Let's let's build our homes out of these paintings or whatever. Is there something with the painting? Maybe there's something in the paint. Who knows? So, again, you know how people talk. Yeah. And my personal, this is just my personal belief, is that individuals are smart, intelligent, teachable, learning sponges. Okay? Yeah. You can have a discussion with an individual, and even if you have differing views, you can, you, you can, you can find some sort of common ground. Typically, yes. People, the masses, go all hive mind and pitchforky, so... People panicked and tried to burn these paintings in bonfires and Mm -hmm. gathered them up and just tried to burn them. And uh, yeah, so that was their way to deal with the unknown. The investigation did conclude that the painting was covered or varnished in a flame retardant material. However, that doesn't explain why other paintings that would have also been protected with something like that, those burned. Those burned, yeah. It was just the crying boy paintings that were fine. My theory? It's the boy's tears. Yeah. Extra line of liquid defense. Well, who knows? I don't know. Yeah. (sighs) But yeah, there were other headlines like uh, crying boy curse strikes again. Right. It's like, okay, you want to latch on to the fact that another copy of this painting survived and it's a curse now? I mean, that's what it seems like. But no, because it also seems really weird that there keep being fires at places where this painting is. 
So is the painting causing the fire? Exactly. That's the that's one prevailing theory. That's why it's called the the crying boy curse. It's because there keep being that that fire investigator was like there keep being fires at places where this painting is. So they were saying that can't causality. be a coinc- Yeah, that can't be a coincidence. Basically, or is it? I, I don't know. <laughs> I I don't claim to be super smart. Well, yes, I do, but you know. I don't claim to explain how people are. Fair. So the last one I have is my favorite, and it's really spooky. <laughs> okay. And I had never heard of this one before, and now that I've read it, I, I, I just kind of love it. Okay. And so now I'm going to take us to China. Okay, let's go to China. Let's go to China. Have you ever heard of, well, I probably keep saying, not. probably not. <laughs> So this particular story originates from Beijing, China. Okay. Sometimes it's called the Midnight Bus. It's also known as the Last Bus to Fragrant Hills. The way that I found it, it the story that I found was called the Beijing Ghost Bus, mm. basically. See, now that, that sounds like a Michael Bay film. Oh my God, if they made it. I don't think they could make a film out of this particular story, but you could definitely make like a short horror film out of it. Fair. You couldn't do like a full hour and a half, two hours, but maybe 10, 15 minutes. So this is how this is how the story goes. Mm-hmm. In November of 1995 in Beijing, a young man boarded bus 375 around midnight. It was the last bus of the night and the final destination for the bus was this stop called Fragrant Hills. There were a couple other passengers on board. Only passengers of note were the driver, a conductor, and an old woman. Conductor. There, yeah, there was a conductor supposedly on the on the bus. I I don't know. I've been playing too much Fallout because all I could think of was it weighs five pounds and it's used for crafting. No, this is like a a, a person conductor, <laughs> okay. like a tra- like a train conductor. This was a bus conductor. Okay. I I don't I don't know. Eh, what you know whatever. I buses in other countries work differently and way better than buses in America. So fair enough. Okay. Uh, so shortly after the man boarded the bus two men tried to wave the bus down. Mm-hmm. The bus driver was initially reluctant to pick the men up because they weren't waiting at a bus stop. But the conductor was like, well, it's the last bus and it's really late. Why don't we go ahead and stop and pick them up? Fair enough. So they, he was like, yeah, sure. So they stop and they pick the guys up and they realize once they start to board, it's not two men. It's actually three. Basically, it's two men who are supporting a third man between them. Okay. The third man has, in the in the middle, has very long, messy hair, and he's being supported, like I said, by the other two. Mm-hmm. Like two friends carrying a drunk guy home. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Okay. They're all extremely pale, like paler than a person should be. Mm-hmm. And the other weird thing about them is they are all wearing Qing Dynasty robes. Well, I mean, you know, I'm not going to knock someone's fashion choice. Well, here's the thing. It's very odd because for those of you who do not know, the Qing Dynasty basically lasted from 1644 to 1911. And this is taking place in 1995. So it's very odd to be wearing Qing Dynasty robes on a rando city bus. 
1995. Well, I mean, a lot of strange fashion things either came back or started in 1995. Well, and the conductor was just like, because some of the other passengers were like, well, this is really weird. What's going on? Mm-hmm. And the conductor was like, oh, they're probably just actors and they didn't yeah, have time sure. to change before they, you know, they had to catch this bus. Don't worry about it. I'm not going to knock it. Some fashion is timeless. Yeah. So as they continue on the route, people are getting off the bus and it gets to the point where the only people on the bus are the driver, the conductor, these three guys, the old woman and the young man. Okay. So the old woman at one point, she picks a fight with the young man. Basically, she accuses him of stealing her wallet and they basically end up in some in an argument. And the woman is like. They, they end up getting kicked off the bus because the driver's like, or the conductor's like, you all get off the bus. And the old woman's like, yes, we'll go to the local police station and, and we'll talk this through and we'll figure out what's going on. So they get off the bus and the guy's, you know, a little annoyed. And he's like, fine, let's get to the police station. Where are we going? And she's like, there is no police station near here. And he's like, well, then why did we get off the bus? That was the last bus and there's nothing else near here. And she goes, I just saved your life. He's like, how did you save my life? And she goes, the wind coming in from the window raised their robes and they didn't have any feet. So basically she had ever since those three guys got on the bus, she had been watching them because she's like, there's something weird about them. There's something off. And the wind coming in through the window blew up their robes and she saw that they didn't have any feet or any legs. That's a bit. So she's like, we need to get the fuck off of this bus. So she staged the whole fucking thing. Yeah. So she basically thought she basically in order to get herself and that young man off the bus, she accused him of stealing her wallet. Just just she she's like, I just need to get us off this bus. We need to get off this bus. Cause a scene to get before something happens because she didn't. She's like, something's wrong. These are these are clearly ghosts or some sort of spirits. This isn't right. We need to go. So here's the thing. The bus was actually reported missing the next morning. It Mm. never finished its route. In some versions of the story, the bus was never found. In other versions, it was actually found three days later in the Mayun Reservoir, which is several miles away from the Fragrant Hills stop. It's said that there's no way it could have gotten there because it didn't have enough gas to get that far. So nobody knows how it got there. When they pulled the bus out of the reservoir, it contained three badly decomposed bodies. The bodies were that of the driver, the conductor, and one unidentified male with long, messy hair. And the thing is, they had only been missing for three days. Nobody knows why why they were so badly decomposed. In some versions of the story, police, when they inspected the bus, found that the gas tank was full of blood instead of gasoline. Well, that's not how bus do. Mm-hmm. It's also said that police inspected the security tapes near the entrance to the Mayun Reservoir, and the bus was not on them. There was nothing strange. Nobody knows how the bus got there or what happened. Hmm. I know, right? Oh, God, I love creepy stories like that. I don't know. They're just so fucking cool. But that's my last one. Okay. So the last one I'm going to tell you about okay, actually covers a long period of time. Most urban legends, you know, you're maybe 50 years, 60. This one, if you consider the initial subject's birth date, was in 1869. Nice. Oh, yeah. That is nice. <laughs> <laughs> but Here it is in hers horror. We're very mature. 
<laughs> but the focus of this tale isn't on the occupant of this grave, but the grave itself. Ooh. Okay. I'm intrigued. So we're going to be talking, or I'm going to tell you a little bit about uh, the grave of Don Simeon Bernardo. Okay. So I'm going to do my best with this. In the Sangadan Cemetery in Kaulakan, Philippines. Okay. There is a very special tomb. Okay. What would you typically see as like, if, if you had like symbology or iconography on, on a tomb? Now keep in mind, the Philippines is predominantly Catholic. Tomb or mausoleum. So I would expect like cherubic angels perhaps or mm-hmm. crosses. Typical Christian iconography. Okay. Basically. He doesn't have that on his tomb. Okay. Uh, he has a statue of the devil triumphant over St. Michael the Archangel. That's a little weird. He has a reason for it. Okay. It's basically an inversion of a popular sculpture of St. Michael triumphing over. Triumphing over, yeah. He was born in 1869, and he ordered this particular statue to be placed at his grave upon death in 1934. He told his children to do that before he died as a reminder to society that evil has always been ruling over our world and there is no God. Damn, dude, shit. <laughs> this, view, this view was likely related to the insane amount of torture that he endured throughout his life at the hands of the church. Oh, no. So here's actually a picture of the tomb. And I'm gonna okay, get to. Okay, so they had to put a cage around the statue. I'll get. I'll get to that. I'll get to that. So, now that we know the history, okay, let's look at some of the stories. All right, go for it. Some folks have said that over time the statue has actually grown. It's gotten bigger. That's weird. That is weird. That's not how statues not, do. I mean, I'm sure you you can make a statue. You can make a statue bigger, I guess. In theory, but Just like rub it or well, no, like you could probably fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what I mean. Others claim the demon flies off at night. That would be fucking cool, actually. Then, <laughs> like, like like the intro to Gargoyles, just kind of. Oh my god! Now I'm picturing like it's like oh the the sun comes down, the moon comes up, and all the rock starts to chip away. Yeah, there's this big wrought iron cage around the statue. Okay. And th- there, there are logical explanations for these as well. I didn't really see anything where particularly does anything if he flies off at night. Maybe he's, maybe he's just got a stretch. I mean, standing there all day in the sun. Maybe uh, he just wants to go to like find an all night taco truck or something. Who knows? Right. So, the statue actually has gotten bigger. Because people have added to it or redone it. Took or- it away. What? Well. Again, this is a mostly Catholic country, so seeing a statue like this may maybe bring some vandalism. That's what that's what I my that was my theory about the cage is that people were were smashing the statue. So, in the 1970s, it the statue was actually replaced with a slightly larger statue because I guess it only comes in a new size now. I I I don't know if it's mass produced or if. Like, they were like, hey, we need to replace this. Maybe they didn't have the exact dimensions of the original. They just had pictures, and they were, the artist was just like, well, this is what I've got. Here you go. I guess better to go bigger than too small. You wouldn't want, like, an 18. I mean, this is a big statue. This is... Well, maybe they were given, like, he, they were, he was given, like, the artist was given, like, a picture. This is what the statue looks like. These are the dimensions of the tomb. And he was just like, okay, and made what, av- what the average would be of a statue going on a tomb that size 
and it Fair. just happened to be bigger than the original. And that's also why there's a wrought iron cage around it now, basically to, to say protect it. You know, stop vandalizing this shit. Yeah. That being said, and now that we have a logical explanation for it, and we don't have the devil flying off at night to, you know, go to Jollibee or whatever, I kind of like that version better than just it got vandalized and replaced. Yeah, it's um, kind of cool. But hey, whatever whatever helps you sleep at night. If, if you think that cage is there to protect you, enjoy it. That's I'm all. not locked in here with you. You're locked in here with me. Is, it, <laughs> is that what he's saying to Michael the Archangel? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, probably. Who knows? That was cool. I like that. I want to... We'll have to post a picture of that after this episode goes live, because that's actually kind of neat looking. Yeah. We'll pr- we'll also post pictures of the crying boy photographs. All, All right. right. I think that's... <laughs> well, <laughs> it's been a long day. It is. All right. So I think that's going to do it for us this week. Of course, thank you again to our Patreon supporters... Lizzie, a.k.a. Carnage Candy, and Teresa, a.k.a. Mom. (laughs) Thank you both. Thank you both. We appreciate it very much. If you would like to support us on Patreon, you can do so at patreon.com slash h2horrorcast. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have a couple different options. If you are not able to support us with money, we understand. You You can support us by... A, continuing to listen, and B, if you listen to us on um, Apple Podcast, if you want to give us a review, that would actually be legitimately very helpful. Yeah, it helps with algorithms and such. Yeah, stuff like that. It gets us higher up as far as like recommendations and things like that. You can also follow us on Twitter at H2HorrorCast. Any recommendations you have for films to talk about or check out or tropes and that kind of thing, we are still taking those they can be emailed to h2horrorcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also follow us on Facebook. Exactly. Yay. And that's going to do it for us this week. I hope that you all enjoyed that fun dive into, like I said, I had not heard of any of the stories that I covered before. And I liked getting to do something a little bit different and learn something new. Yeah. Exploring the unknown has its own terrors. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it can <laughs> that's true we as human beings typically speaking the unknown is scary that is true we all handle it differently some of us handle the unknown with intrigue and and excitement and say "Ooh, what's this and others go nope fuck that nope 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 nope. that's dark and scary depends on the thing that i would do that with you know fair all right so until next time i'm tia and i'm still david and thank you for listening Music for this episode was Out of Time by Shane Ivers of Silverman Sound. Our artwork was created by Catherine Nixon.